it's four. There's gotta be something different about the GS ball besides the color. I wonder if there's something inside it. That's right, Ash. There was a Celebi in the GS ball all along, and it's come here to help us with our audio issues. It's been a while since we heard the Celebi of audio issues, but I'm just here to warn y'all, my audio was not being picked up properly while recording this episode, so apologies for that. I was listening back to some of our earliest episodes, and god damn is it embarrassing how amateurish our audio quality is. Thankfully, we've improved a lot in that area, but unfortunately, we've kind of regressed for this one. So again, apologies for that. Thanks as always for listening, and I and Celebi are going to go back in time now. Let's go, Celebi. Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Out of the Drawing Pan, a Pokemon the Series podcast. Where each week, we discuss two episodes from the Pokemon anime and random topics that popped into our minds. Just a quick reminder, we are an Eve for Explicit podcast, so listener discretion is advised. And I'm your host, Jacob, and I'm here with my co-host, Austin. Hello. Hello, Austin. How are you doing today? I'm not happy. What? Do you want to get into that no, now? No, or we'll wait it? a little bit. We'll wait and see what happens. Okay, we're going to wait a little bit. And in the meantime, I guess I can introduce our other co-host, Alex. I'm doing great, guys. How y'all doing? Oh, we're doing great, Alex. That's awesome. Thank you for joining us today. I can just sit this one out. You do a perfect impression of me. Alex was on mute because she was making gross chewing noises, and I swear to God. I was not making gross chewing noises. Yes, you were. I just happened to be eating close to the microphone. Which is disgusting. I was chewing with my mouth closed like a polite person does. Yeah, but like magnified through the audio into my earbuds. That is why I was respectful of you and your ear holes because I put myself on mute. I still got goosebumps. Ugh, I'm like holding myself. Do you see me? Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, Austin. I have to eat. What would you prefer if I like had a blood sugar attack and died right here on the podcast? The question we have to ask <laughs> is, what are you eating? Nothing exciting. I'm eating cereal. What kind of cereal? Ugh. It's nothing good. It's like the healthy cereal. I don't know. It's like organic, like vanilla flakes or something. I don't know. It's been a morning. I haven't had time to eat. I'm trying to eat now. We're trying to record. It's just, there's a lot happening here. Well, what have you been doing this morning? Maybe you can tell us on our segment Week Talk. Yeah. Where each going... week. Go for <laughs> right, it. Go ahead. No, no. You do it. <laughs> no, I like it better. Go for it. No, Lead no, us no, in, no. Austin. Lead us in. No, no. Okay, fine. Well, I'll do it then. Now we can move on to Week Talk, where Alex is going to tell us all about her morning. And it's probably not going to be spelled the way we do it, W-E-A-K, because she probably does have a lot to say, because apparently it's been hellacious. Honestly, it's not even that exciting. It's just me being how I normally am, which is a procrastinator and um, having to watch the episodes. So then I ran out of time to eat. So that's where we're at. Surprise. So you couldn't eat during the episodes? No, I had to I had to type. It takes two hands to type. It was a really concentrated effort. There was a lot happening in these episodes. All right, Alex, is there anything else going on? Or I, I keep, damn it, stop eating. Okay, I keep queuing you in with food. I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep muting myself. The worst times. 
Maybe we can let Alex finish and do our do Jacob and Austin first. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Talk about yourselves. Okay, you're done, Alex. Off the board. Okay, Alex is done. I got the thumbs up. Austin, would you like to go next? You can mention the big thing if you want to. Oh, we did an escape room for a friend's birthday yesterday. I wasn't very good at it. Uh, <laughs> I was just kind of in the corner, like no, you were fine. I was trying my best, but every so often it'd just be like someone's like, I found the code. I'm like, great, give me the code and I'll put it into this lock and I'll, that's my contribution. It's I'll be like the, the grunt man. Your hands were perfect for those locks though. No one else could get them. Yep, you had perfect lock hands. Uh, Jacob, have you ever felt my hands? Have I ever touched you? I was watching you do those locks yesterday and I was like, wow. <laughs> no, I have the softest <laughs> hands in the entire world. I, I could tell. They don't even leave a fingerprint. It was crazy. You touched the chalkboard, and there was no fingerprint on there compared to everyone That's else. True. It was crazy. I'll tell you, that is very true. That did Austin happen. Austin has hands that angels could only dream of. Be not afraid of my hands. It's an experience. Just have Austin touch you. Just, Whoa. Yeah. Have Austin touch you. It's magical. Anyway, escape room. It was my first time doing it. I think it was all of our first time doing it. No, Jacob's done one before. I've done one before, yeah. I've done a lot. That one I did was a lot more intense than this one, but it was still pretty fun. Well, we still didn't get it on time. Okay, we got <laughs> we got robbed. Okay, we can establish that fact. Even if it had not been broken, these two, Jacob and Alex, actually ended up taking the initiative, and they did a lot of stuff. Jacob at one point was crawling through like the rafters. <laughs> okay, I almost broke their thing too because I yeah, was you did. To, I was trying to play it cool and, and like I, like I broke in somewhere, but the thing was already pre-opened. I thought it was like kind of locked in place. So I shoved the board and shot out of it. <laughs> it's like this little raptor area, like Austin was saying. And I shot through it, and I was like, oh, fuck. I think I just broke that, but I, I didn't. It was still good, so. The wire was broken, though. We couldn't even yeah. beat the thing if we wanted to. Yeah, in the end, it came down to Jacob and Alex figuring out a puzzle, but they couldn't do it because part of it was broken. Well, we got a we got a um honorary medal, like... You guys win! Yay! Sort of, yay. They, they try to play it off like, yeah, you guys fixed it! Yay! Well, we couldn't win if we wanted to. So they actually, we heard that we overheard them say, oh yeah, one of the puzzle parts is damaged. You have to go fix that before the next group goes in there. <laughs> we did not damage it. Disclaimer, we did not. It was already broken. What else is going on? Just a couple updates um, from podcast of days past. I was right. Literally the day I said, they're selling the complex. I got a notice on my board saying, the complex has been sold. So, called it. I did not complete all the Oscar movies. And what else have I had going on? Nothing much. Is that it? That's it. Jacob, how's your week? It was pretty good. Like I said, the escape room was probably the biggest thing. The lunch afterward was really good. But I wanted to give a shout out to Jimmy, right Austin, for recommending that podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah, I actually listened to a few episodes of that podcast, Video Game History Foundation, and they're really good episodes. Like, have you guys had a chance to listen to them? I listened to the Pokemon one and the Nintendo Power one. Yeah, those are the ones I listened to, too, along with the recent one they put out. They're pretty good stuff. It's, like, pretty good insight into how the process worked and how some of the names came to be for characters. I guess, like, Zelda games and stuff like that, because the people at Nintendo Power actually got to name some of the characters from the video games. That was pretty cool to find out. It was like, that's how they got their names. And then the translator for the Pokemon games also got to come up with some names and little tidbits, too, which was interesting. 
And I never realized that that guy in red and blue and yellow was drunk on the ground. I thought he literally just needed coffee to wake up. I didn't realize he recommended was supposed to be a drunk person. <laughs> I think I realized that as a child. You did, really? <laughs> I think so. I never made the two connect. I was like, this guy just is a little tired sleeping on the ground. Probably just needs some coffee to make him feel better. Well, I think it's because of the urban legend of coffee uh, helps you with a hangover, which is not true. I mean, I guess no. caffeine helps with a headache, but still. So I, guess, I don't know in the original ones, like the green or whatever versions they had in Japan, if he needed coffee too, or was he like just trying to get this kid to get him booze to get him out of the way? I don't know. Where's that scene in the anime? Ooh, that, yeah, the stumbling drunk man needs some coffee. That'd been cool. That old man is also very important to me because you need to talk to him in order to get missing no in Generation 1. Yeah, and then you skew that whole, get all the rare candies you want and just walk through the uh, Elite Four. I had a missing no on my team in red. Didn't that break the game, though, if you got Mm-mm. caught it? It didn't? Not really, hardly. What level was it when you caught it? Oh, it, like, it jumped around. Like, it jumps levels. Like, they're, like, imaginary levels. Like, it's, like, level 1,000 or some shit. <laughs> what what moves does it know? I think it knows flying-type moves, because it's a bird flying-type or something. Really? It's a wall that flies? Okay. I was always told as a kid, if you caught it, it messed up your game, or you couldn't save the game, or mess up your save states, or something. It didn't fuck up mine. Too bad. Too bad? Okay. Well, that's good to know. I may have to go back and play it well download it on the 3ds eShop while you have the chance yeah that's about to go away you got I think you got like two months or something if you want to get it so ah. that's the end of an era sad i might download crystal just to get the gs ball because the only way you can get it is to download crystal or on the 3ds really it's not in the original one it is but only in japan oh wow the more you know hmm i think that's right don't don't come at me I don't even know what the GL, GS ball is. so We'll talk about the GS ball soon. Yes. Yeah, for all that's worth, considering what happens to the GS ball. Or what doesn't happen to the GS ball, I guess. So with that being it for me, are we ready to move on to our... Yes, Austin? Alex? It's okay. I'm okay with being forgotten over here in my corner with my cereal bowl. Gotta grab my bowl, gotta grab my cereal. Gotta have Alex tell us what she's doing this week. Honestly, not nothing. Oh, uh, that I, was I, my fault. I'm sorry. Jacob, you're so mean. I know. My bad. No, really. It wasn't that much. There's nothing really more interesting going on. I have finished eating my cereal so I can contribute 100% to the conversation. Yay. Hooray. The rest, I, I do have another work conference I have to go to in a week. So most of my week has been preparing for that, which I will be speaking at this conference and giving a presentation so i'm kind of like an anxious mess about it just pretend you're recording an episode of out of the drying pan so you want to be a master of do you have the skills to be number one i want to take the ultimate step find the courage to be bold to risk it all and not forget the lessons that i hold i want to go where no one's been far beyond the crowd Master of Pokemon. Do you have the skills to be? Number one. Hey, hey. We all live in a Pokemon world. 
And the episodes we have for this week are Pokeball Peril. Let me bring up my notes here. Pokeball Peril and The Lost Lapras. And the randomizer has spoken. And Austin, you have the 30-second summary challenge. Followed by myself for Pokeball Peril. And then, Alex, you have The Lost Lapras. Good luck, Austin. I'm ready, Freddy. Okay, you ready? Yeah. And three, two, one, go. Um, we meet Nurse Joy on Valencia Island, who tells him just go down the street. So they go down the street, and they find Professor Ivy, who's like a very, uh, I don't know how to describe her. She's like stoned out of her fucking mind, and she's <laughs> also a scientist, and she has like these three assistants, and Brock's like, these women are a disaster. They have no homekeeping skills, so I'm going to join them. And Ash and Misty are like, okay, bye, and they leave, and then they get back in the blimp, and then they uh, fall asleep from Jigglypuff and start to crash again. Time. I was really struggling with how to describe Professor Ivy. She's a she's a character. She is a character, and I forgot Ivy looked like this. I thought, um, I don't know what she looked like. I couldn't remember what she looked like, but I wasn't expecting what we got. Let's put it that way. Like, she's high as a kite, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the point. Okay. That's what I was getting from this. <laughs> okay. She's high off all those vile plume spores. That's what I was, I'm not sure what's going on there, really. She clearly cannot take care of herself, as we will see later on in the episode. Yeah, there's like a running theme with like people being like high or something like that in Pokemon or... Is there? Is there a theme of people being high in Pokemon? <laughs> well, remember, we come across some characters that are like, I don't know if they're supposed to be high, but they're like um, McC- McConaughey and like Days of Confused. Like there's, oh, I feel like there's a theme with the beach those bums. people. Yeah, like Beach Bums, like, oh, yeah, hey, just let it be, man. You know, like kind of like that. Well, they were like aggressive. They were like assaulting animals okay let's move on (laughs) (laughs) yeah before we get to that let's dive into the episode real quick so this episode kind of starts off with a little bit of like retelling of what happened the previous episode where we were on a blimp it crashed and this thing crashed really hard like we finally got like a full outward view of it how anyone survived that is beyond me it was like the metal skeleton of the blimp there was no tarp material paper i don't even know what what are blimps like made out of i don't know this one seemed like it was made out of paper mache or something but it was completely destroyed but regardless we're on valencia island which valencia is the right way to announce that right pronounce that yeah Yeah. okay perfect and then we get brock here who says hey it's time to take care of workforce uh we don't have time to mess around we're here to get the gs ball which we still don't know what the gs ball is or what it looks like we just know oak needs it for research I just have to say that I completely sympathize with Ash in this beginning moment because he's the only one who's like a normal person and he's like, it is so hot on this island. (laughs) I am so uncomfortable. And he's like sweating and Pikachu's sweating and Misty's like, Ash, I don't know what your problem is. It feels wonderful. And I'm like, Misty, shut the hell up. It is, we're on a tropical island. It's hot as hell. I will say Misty's wearing like, short shorts and a crop top and actually yeah. wearing like jeans and like a black shirt and a vest yeah and a hat. like <laughs> gloves that's, that's ash's fault though he knows where he's going he knows what the temperature's going to be like he should have became better prepared because i'm in misty's corner here that feels good to me let's be fair they just survived a crash landing on an island and if they had any luggage not to say like they ever carry around any sort of like provisions or gear like they should but if they did they might have lost it all in the crash so they have no clothes to change into or anything you go to a local store or something like that they probably lost all their money they're always complaining about how they never have any money 
And Oak didn't give them any fucking money to run this errand for him. Right? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he's not even going to pay them. He's just making them do it. Anyway, going to the islands a reward enough, I guess. Because it's, it's beautiful. I'm in Misty's Corner here. It's beautiful. This is very Alola. I'm, I'm getting Alola vibes, like, for sure. Just wait till we get to the gym battles. Well, yeah. I feel like this, honestly, and I have more to say about this later, but this is I, I, this is definitely, it has to be an inspiration for Alola. I mean, it just has for sure. to be. Yeah, because like, the next thing our crew goes to is they visit a Pokemon Center to kind of find out where Ivy is. And the Pokemon Center, there also has vibes of, like, a little bit of the Pokemon centers in Alola. They're like more makeshift made out of like bamboo and like uh, banana really cool. leaves. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's definitely a good redesign for an island Pokemon center. No complaints there. And then we find out that this Pokemon center is also ran by a Nurse Joy, who's the mother-in-law's niece, um, twice removed cousin. <laughs> of- She's the second cousin of the sister-in-law of the Joy in Saffron City. Oh. Let's not even bother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forked it out on the tree here, and it's still, it holds up. She is related No, it still. really doesn't. <laughs> if you're a sister-in-law, that means you married into the family. That means you wouldn't look anything like the main, like, it doesn't make any sense. And she's the second cousin. What the fuck? Okay, whatever. Anyway, Nurse Joy tells us, gives us directions to where Professor Ivy is. And it's, they call it Wavy Road. It's literally just a snake road. It's up the hill. They weren't too far from it from the Pokemon Center. So we're walking along, going to Ivy's, and then we encounter a giant Gyarados, which is really close to shore. I didn't get, realize Gyarados could actually get this close to the shore, because every time we've seen them, they've been really kind of like a deep ocean, but they will come up the surface. But anyway, that's pretty cool to see when that close to the shore. It's a domesticated Gyarados. Yeah, it is a domesticated Gyarados, because we see a woman jump out, of the ocean, like, I don't know, she's got some serious ups, because she's up there for probably like five seconds, jumping from probably like ten feet in the ocean onto the shore, and as she's jumping in the air, she grabs her lab coat, and does a front flip, and then a backhand spring, and lands in front of Ash and says, hello, I'm Professor Ivy. But it's more, (laughs) but it's not, I said it like, hello, I'm Professor Ivy, but it's more like, hello, I'm Professor Ivy. It's like, Austin said she is describing her face. Her eyebrows, her eyes are halfway closed. She's severely red-faced. She has, like, food always with her. So there, oh I think God. there's some implications here that she is indeed got the munchies. Or does she have food always with her? She does not. She's pulling it. It's out of her coat pocket. She always has some almonds or some, oh my you God. Know, some of that pokey kibble with her always. Alex, I want, I want to hear you, Alex, do, like, a sultry... Hi, oh. Professor Ivy. Yeah, go for Me? it. Me? I can't eat. I cannot. I have a terrible voice. We all know this. Oh, Listen to me I have for the like worst voice. 45 episodes or however many episodes we have. Do it anyway. Hi, I'm Professor Ivy. Is okay, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't Professor Ivy, but I did like Hi. how sultry it was. I can't do it. Like, she does it sultry, but also like stoned, and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Professor Ivy getting there you're getting there uh, getting there okay it's like i don't know how to describe her voice it's like it shouldn't it shouldn't be as smooth as it is but it's got this like subtlety to it that is implying that she's having a hard time finding the words it's weird it's i don't know the voice for my opinion doesn't match the character for how she looks do y'all think that too like her voice does not line up with how she's supposed to be portrayed as a person who's obviously very relaxed <laughs> I just don't even know where to start, Professor Ivy. She's an odd duck. I don't know. I don't feel really strongly one way about her. Well, I guess I kind of do. She's just 
she, I don't know, she seems like she knows what she's doing, but also she doesn't seem to know what she's doing because there's a moment later in this episode where she does something really stupid. And also she's kind of a slob, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, she's a super slob. But like before we get there, we finally do see Ivy does take us to the GS ball. It's got like a gold top to it. And the reason why they call it a GS ball is there's like an ingrained, it's not a G, but it looks kind of like a G. And there's one side that's an S. I don't, I don't even remember this Pokeball at all being a part of the story. Of oh, really? Pokemon. You don't? No, I really don't. I forgot oh. about this little... Well... It's not really going to go anywhere, sorry to say. Yeah, I don't think alert. it did. T- typically, when I don't remember something, it's obviously not very important. Because I remember the battles of Orange Islands, but I don't remember anything about this GS ball at all. Well, they have a plan for it, but it, that plan gets abandoned later on. And they explain why, but... I guess we can talk about that later. Shit, for now, we just uh, like be like, oh, the mysterious GS ball. What could it possibly be? Yeah, we don't know because it won't. We get to see that it tries to get transferred to Oak and it just kind of like shocks everybody around it. It just goes haywire. Nothing really can be done with it. So Ash has to obviously carry it back now. That's the whole it point. It can't be opened by any means. Yeah. It can't be transported. It can't. Literally, they've tried to do everything with it and they can't. Yeah, they took a crowbar to it, a jackhammer, you name some kind of power tool. It's been like a sander. They <laughs> took everything to it. I was wondering, like, wouldn't that hurt the thing inside of it if they, like, just destroyed it with, like, a buzzsaw? Yeah, they have no idea what's inside it, what they're dealing with. And they, they freaking shoot it with a laser beam at one point, and it does nothing. Clearly, they're not concerned with the well-being of whatever's inside. I guess they don't think anything's inside it, maybe. I don't know. If something's in there, it's got to be tough, though. Like y'all were saying. It's mythically tough. Mythically ha. tough. Should we just say what it is? Oh my gosh, just say it. It's Celebi. But it really? isn't. It isn't, but it is, but it's not. Okay, I'm interested to see where this goes with that. It okay. Never, Later on. Okay. It is never revealed. It never comes out or anything. So sorry to spoil it, but it literally goes nowhere. Hmm. Anyway, back to this episode. We, like I said, we get to see that it doesn't, it can't transfer. There's no point in trying it. And then Ash calls, I guess, Professor Oak and let him know that, hey, we're here. We got this um, GS ball that has something inside of it. But then something weird happens when we call Oak. We see, like, a magic car, like, in a tank. Oh, my God. And it's got, like, all these wires hooked up to it. And apparently this is, like, research for a magic car. This part, what? this is the highlight of this part. Because what happens here in the next scenes is, like, you see a magic carp with um, these wires in it. And then... That leads into a, like a circle jerk between Ivy and like Oak about like how great each other. It's just a moment here. It just happens. It's weird. Okay, the Magikarp thing was weird, but I really enjoyed the Oak Ivy circle jerk. <laughs> you did really? <laughs> yeah. That was grotesque. I'm sorry, Oak's grotesque. Like it was, it was scary. Like that poor Magikarp had wires coming out of its head, and like it was just sitting there flopping around. It was like you know, Magikarp, Magikarp, you know, it was saying its name over and over again. It seemed like it was in pain. It was struggling and it was, it was grotesque. I don't know. There was a lot of wires. Like when I say like he was researching this thing, there was at least 10 plugged into various parts of this Magikarp. It was Ugh, weird. God. So it couldn't have just been in the vitals that he was monitoring. It had to be something else. It looks like those wires were in going into its body. Like I was like looking at it and I was like, <laughs> okay, are there, like, little the little sticky pads that, you know, like, stick on people to monitor their heart rate and stuff like that? It didn't look like that. It looked like the wires were going into its head. 
and back and everything else. And it was pretty scary. A bunch of electrical wires and water. What could go wrong with that, right? I did enjoy um, them talking. They're kind of like gassing each other all up. I wrote down what they wrote. Ivy published a preliminary report on Pokemon adaptive variation as a result of regional distribution. And Professor Oak found it very persuasive. Oak himself had recently published an article on the challenges for Anthro-Pokemon Global Cohabitation. And I'm like, ooh, let's talk more about that. That sounds interesting. And then Ash is like, is this going to take a long time? I'm like, shut up, Ash. We got things to do, Austin. We don't have time to talk about that. No, I want to talk about, like, the science of it. I want to know more about Anthro-Pokemon Cohabitation. I want to know more about Ivy's research on the Pokemon adaptive variation because those are regional variants. She's doing research on regional variants. Which, yes, they are. As we all know, where did we first see regional variants at? Alola. Alola. Yay. Alola. And they are in a tropical region, and we do get to see some very interesting looking Pokemon coming up in a minute. Good job leading us forward there, Alex. But before we get to the mysterious Pokemon this episode, we do have a little side plot going on here. We do see Team Rocket again. They've survived the crash, and they decide that they're going to rebuild the blimp better than ever. Even though I think it was Giovanni's plan to have the thing destroyed and become useless. Get the insurance money off. Get the insurance, but Team Rocket nonetheless has decided that we're going to rebuild this because the boss is pissed, and we're going to get Pikachu. That was some good dramatic irony, but I would have loved to see Giovanni's reaction to that. If they, like, called him up, be like, look, boss, look what we did. Oh, my gosh. I wish we could have got that. <laughs> they would have had to show it off, right? Like, he knows that obviously something happened. Later on, we do find they do rebuild it, but I would definitely be bragging about it. Yeah, that was a lot to repair there. Team Rocket truly, truly, truly is amazing. They can do anything when they set their mind to it. But the next part's even more amazinger because we do get to see some of these variants of Pokemon from Ivy's like little research lab because we find out we are indeed in her research lab on this little small island with a bunch of plants and stuff like that. And then we see like a Vileplume and I can't remember what else. There's like a Raticate too that comes about and they're all like different little colors. Like they're a little bit more orangey, maybe a little more yellowy. So the Vileplume were really different and Ash even makes a comment. He's like, wow, these look different than any Vileplume I've ever seen. And then there's also a very interesting looking Butterfree that's like yellow with black markings all over it. Kind of like a monarch butterfly, a little bit. Kind of look, or like a a swallowtail, I guess. It looks interesting. Butterfree was super cool. Yeah, that was the coolest color difference that we saw. I like bo- both Vileplume and Butterfree better in these designs than their actual designs. I'm so happy we got like this kind of first, like, I don't know, based on where we are now and everything that we know now, what they've done, like... It kind of seems like foreshadowing. Like, did they know they were going to do that later on? Did they have ideas? Because didn't somebody say something about, like, Alola Executor? Mm -hmm. Like, how it was planned from the beginning? Like, they had the design or something like that? For the Japanese... Oh, my God. I know so much stupid shit. For the Japanese (laughs) Tell us, Austin. I want to know. Tell us. For the Japanese release of the... uh, What was the second one? Jungle set of the TCG... And some of the promotional art, you saw a Zegitor that had the long neck, like an, like an actual tree. And then later, Zegitor had that design in Alola. So they knew about it. They were thinking, I th- I love to think that they were thinking about this all those years ago. Like, eventually we're going to do this. Eventually we're going to have this as a, you know, selling point or whatever. And they did. I mean, we got Sun and Moon. We got Alola and the regional variants and all that. So 
I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> it does. Like, when they, you find out they plan stuff out like that, it does kind of, like, ease your mind that they do They're have direction. They're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. they have direction with wh- where they want to go. It's, this isn't going to end up like, you know, the last season of a TV show that's just all over the place and we're trying to end it. As a fan, that eases our anxiety. So... <laughs> Y'all are giving Pokemon way too much credit. They're making this shit up as they go. No, come on. I mean, certain <laughs> aspects, yes. I think, obviously, they they make decisions or change their trajectory based on, you know, how things sell or what people say. I mean, I think I think they probably do change course. If, you know, directors come and go, you know, different people, staff, whatever. But I think they do have some kind of plan. The Alola, I mean, that just seems too coincidental, doesn't it? I do think this... They like the Orange Islands concepts, and they reuse them for Sun and Moon. Yes. Yeah. All this, like, talk about this stuff is making me a little hungry, which is a coincidence, because <laughs> in the next scene, we're seeing these Pokemon get fed some special food that Ivy has planned out for them, and the Pokemon devour it, and Pikachu and Togepi indulge themselves, and Misty and Ash kind of be like, hey, back off, that's their food. But Ivy says it's okay. But then we learn our friend Butterfree hasn't eaten for years years it just won't eat and they don't know what's wrong with it but that's okay because someone here is here to save the day that person is brock who somehow finds the ingredients he needs on this tropical island he's able to get ingredients and make the pokemon food a little sweeter for butterfree and then butterfree eats it up yeah who would have thought that pokemon actually care about the flavor of their food (laughs) i know right that's pretty stupid isn't it yeah, what is like, she feeding them then? Is she just feeding them like cardboard or something? Well, it's probably <laughs> like, you know how in the games you can feed the Pokemon like the herbs and it, they always say, oh, it's it does a good job, but it's really bitter. And then like your Pokemon's friendliness goes down if you feed them like that kind of stuff. Like I kind of got that kind of vibe. I think uh, Ivy's eating all the herbs. So. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. I mean, but she's like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, I never thought about that, that they'd actually care about, like, taste, and they don't want to eat, like, food that tastes like ass. I mean, they just prefer a little sweetener or a little, like, flavor to their food. Some hot sauce on there or something. Right. Spice it up a little bit. That's a good point. Ivy was totally oblivious to the fact that Pokemon might enjoy flavor. She's like, I'm a Pokemon researcher, and even I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, she's too worried about other things, I guess. Okay, yeah. Ivy can barely string together a sentence. I'm going to give her a pass on this one. She's not sober. Do you think this is like the papers and stuff she did that Oak's like talking about? Is this like pre-Highness Ivy? Like, are we looking at Ivy in her prime here? I think we're catching her on an off day. Surely. (laughs) Off day? Yeah, I think so. We don't need. Oh, I forgot. We didn't even talk about the three daughters she has that just happened to be there. Are they her daughters? I thought they were just her assistants. Like, they just... Well, they're not any good either, because they didn't know anything either. They're kind of just there. They're a little annoying, too. They're like identical tr- triplets. I don't even know. And they, they're they very annoying. In my notes, I describe them as a trio of female Richies. I mean, basically, there there's no better way to describe After we find out Brock's a genius of food, Ivy takes us to her home, and apparently no Ugh. one's touched any type of cleaning utensil and... A long time because there's clothes in the sink there's like you know those like yellow wavy lines you get from implying something smells really bad you see those all over the place it's just a mess it's gross kind of looks like austin's apartment but <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <Is> that, ah. 
Austin, <laughs> he's a very clean person. Yeah, he's very clean. That was just a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's dishes piled high. There's, like, bras hanging off the ceiling fan. There's, like, trash and dirt. Like, there's stains on everything. I mean, it's literally, like, a hoarding situation. It's awful. But luckily, Brock is there to provide free cleaning services. Brock's really good at cleaning, too. So not only does he know how to find flavor of Pokemon, he knows how to clean up a area super quick. You know what? I felt really bad for Brock in this moment because he has a physical reaction to this like situation he like doubles over and he's like you know he's like shaking or whatever and he's like I know leave it to super Brock and then he like flies into a a cleaning frenzy and honestly because he kept he says it a couple times he like compares it to his family situation because as we know Brock has several several younger siblings and his parents abandoned him to basically take care of an entire household and all of his younger siblings I think this was a complete PTSD induced cleaning attack I mean he I felt bad for him in this situation I I didn't think it was that funny honestly I thought it was like oh he has this is a trauma response to his like terrible abusive home life he can't stand the idea of like having this squalid condition so he has to i don't know i just felt really bad for him that's really deep i did not think that at all i wasn't going that way but that is a good point it hurt my heart poor brock what makes it kind of bad like that's really bad too but the thing is that cleaning stuff was always there because like you see brock have like the vacuum and the soap and like everything like everything was there they just weren't using it he cleans it all up in like five seconds and then prepares like an enormous meal for about eight people in about two seconds. And Ash is, like, joking about it. He's like, and he does it all for free. I'm like, you guys are taking advantage of him. He hasn't. He doesn't expect anything in return because he's been abused his whole life, and they still take advantage of him. Yeah, they kind of cheer him on a little bit, but it doesn't make up for the fact that he just did a week's worth of stuff in a minute. For free. Like, for, for free. free. And they don't even, like, offer to... They don't even think... And then, and then, those stupid girls, they were like... Because, like, Austin, you said, they he cooks them, like, a five-course meal on top of everything. And they're like, oh, my God, this is so delicious and good. Somebody says, oh, let's think Brock or whatever. And they're like, not now. We got to eat. Or something like oh, that. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. No, I didn't even notice that. You ungrateful. Like, he just freaking busted his ass for you guys and you're like nah screw brock we'll just eat this and take advantage and not thank him it pissed me off but the the next scene does kind of explain why the house is so messy because apparently the triplets and ivy they're never in the house or they just chunk stuff in there and then they leave because apparently they're out studying like 24 7 that night we see asty or asty what the hell misty asty. And asty. <laughs> asty. <laughs> that sounds like a comp- we'll see asty sleeping and we Ooh, see i just Ivy. got flashbacks to full <laughs> uh full metal alchemist with the oh god the chimera girl and yeah. the oh god <sighs> nina oh no nina i had to stop watching after that i was like i can't watch this show that's, that's it's amazing oh god go back and finish it Go back Asti. and finish Full Metal. Asty, no. Asty sleeping. That's when Ash and Misty get combined in a terrible, like... Okay, you know what? That'd be a, that's a lot better than what happened to Nina. Okay. That's true. Because at least they're still human. Okay, that's true. Is it more like a Steven Universe thing where they just, like, fuse together as gems and it's like, okay... No, because they're still sentient beings. 
like Stevani. <laughs> it's like Stevani, right? It's like Asti, Stevani. They're like the same. It's like one person, but they're two okay. Different I guess, people. yeah. That's not as grotesque as Nina. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Asti's over there sleeping, and we see Ivy and the triplets out there studying Pokemon at night because they're doing some intensive research on nocturnal Vileplume, which I think they're all nocturnal. But anyway, Brock appears too. And he is curious what they're doing, and they talk about how they're looking for spore patterns of the violet plume. And I guess one of y'all was referencing this earlier of how stupid what this happens next so is. This was so stupid. <laughs> so... You can get into it if you want to. Okay. I just, I'm sorry. That comes out. I have feelings about this. Maybe too strongly. This is just a stupid kid show. I don't understand. I just feel like Ivy, as a researcher and a scientist, should know you don't interfere with nature i mean she's out there observing the whole point is to observe and not interfere well the bioplume are out there doing their bioplume thing spreading their spores around as she explains they do it as a territorial thing they go out there spread their spores to keep other pokemon away okay this dumbass radicate which i'm sorry but this maybe the, okay maybe this is a really bad outlook i i just think like this is nature of course if you're like a wildlife photographer and you go out and you're observing <laughs> nature, sometimes you're going to see a mountain lion attacking a deer or like something happen. I mean, sometimes, you know, a, a bird swooping down and catching like a dying rabbit or something. It's just nature. It's the circle of life. It's sad. Yes, of course, I would probably sit there and think, oh, I wish I could help it. I mean, it's clearly different. If there's like a dog caught in like a trap, then yes, you're going to help it. You're not going to, like, leave it to suffer. That's different. But if it's, like, nature, you leave nature to be, like, nature, right? Okay, I disagree. You do? Okay. Oh, I feel like the radicate, the radicate ran into the spore cloud. That's its own mistake. I'm thinking the vile plume are maybe, like, carnivorous plants. Like, they have to eat, too. Maybe <laughs> this radicate just was unfortunate. It just ran into the spore cloud. So you've got like a spider's web thing going on here where it just gets caught and then it's going to be devoured by the violet plume. Maybe. And I'm like, but then Ivy runs out and jumps onto the radicate. She's like, we got to save it. And then she gets like paralyzed because the spores are toxic. And it's just this whole thing. And I'm like, but you're interrupting this, this process. You're interrupting their territorial marking. You're interrupting their like feeding habits potentially. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I disagree wholeheartedly because okay. these are not wild Pokemon. These are not, she feeds these Pokemon. They live on her property. These are like in her care. Like she is observing them and their behaviors, but she's doing it within the context of their basically hers. Like she has like, I don't know, a garden that attracts wildlife and then she observes them. But like, she's still going to jump in if one of them is going to die, you know? Cause she's but... also doing her, her very important radicate research. And that needs to be, I mean, I maintained guess. as well. Like, like, okay, and I say this specifically because she's feeding them, and she, those are not natural. These are not Pokemon living day to day life like normal, like in the woods or something. They are being provided for by her. You know what I mean? So you're saying that they're not going to eat the Radicate because they're already being provided food. Well, I guess, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, maybe in that regard, I can see and I can agree with you. If they're under her care and she's specifically, they're not truly wild and they can't care for themselves on their own. Okay, maybe it wandered in and she needed to help it because it wouldn't know how to like handle itself any other way. 
But if it wasn't completely, like, this is wild animals, like, would you then agree that, like, it's wrong to step in and interfere? Um, actually, no, because this is the Pokemon world, and we all have to do everything we possibly can at all times <laughs> to preserve life. Okay. <laughs> I wow. think the the real problem is she didn't bring out, like, a fucking N95 mask when she was going to be 10 feet away from these vile plumes that are spreading, like, lethal spores in all directions. That was that was the stupid part. Yeah, y'all went really <laughs> deep into this. The only thing I got from this scene is we got the explanation of why Ivy looks high all the time. Is she's been out there ingesting these spores. <laughs> these spores for the past three weeks or something like that, and that's all I took away from this. What if you get too big of a whiff, then you're you're out, you're dead. Yeah, you're just paralyzed. Paralysis. I am wrong because I suddenly was reminded of. Austin, your story about the Mask of the Red Death and the spores, and we all know how terribly wrong anything with spores can go, so maybe Ivy did prevent a Mask of the Red Death crisis, so perhaps I'm wrong. I mean, technically I misspoke, not spores, they're pollen. Whatever. Like I said, the only thing I got was that we get why she's high, but that was a really deep insight you guys gave us there. I appreciate it. There's a good little debate there. Now I feel kind of bad, honestly. Like, I... (laughs) I'm all for like, okay, let nature take its course and don't interfere. I do think in real life, yes, if you're like a documentarian or something, you let death happen. But you I let feel the bad. Of life I know, I feel bad. But though. not in the Pokemon world, which okay. is like a fantasy yeah. realm. Could you imagine in like, what is it, um, Planet Earth, those documentaries or whatever, like an animal's getting eaten and a guy runs out there with a camera and like tries to save it? That'd be more intense, but you, you know, there's just no way you could do that. Like I said. play out. Right. I mean, like I said, if there's an animal suffering, like, caught in a trap, or, like, it's plastic is, like, wrapped around its neck or something obviously terrible. Human, yes. human interference has human caused it. Yes. Yeah. Then, obviously, you have to help. I mean, there's no negotiating it. But you can't step in and, like, the mountain lion has to eat, too. I understand that. But it's still sad. I don't know. Ugh. Oh my god, I just got the visual of the vile plume ripping apart the Raticate's corpse. I know. It's, like, it's really, oh my god. No, my <laughs> like, in devouring it. My, like, visual is, like, you know how it, it pollinates from the top, its little flower thing? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, its face isn't its real face. Like, a thing comes out of the top of Ew, it. Ew, like, what? It, <laughs> like, that way. You know what? Like that's less disgusting. Remember our long conversation about Oddish having a tongue and lepping up water from a little pond? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking more of like a starfish kind of thing where like, you know, the stomach's on the outside for a minute. Ew, that's, I can see that. I mean, look, Venus flytraps and stuff like that. I mean, we have Victory Bell, for God's sake. I mean, it could be acidic. It could like dissolve its prey. Could you imagine like a vile plume walking up, spraying out acid onto its like prey and dissolving? Ugh. There you go. This is for the Netflix series that we're going to write. In the Netflix version of this episode, Raticate was consumed. Yes. And so was Ivy. Okay. <laughs> so was I. No, unfortunately, I, unfortunately Ivy was not <laughs> she, She's going to be just fine. She's the one that took Brock away from us. Yeah. 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 That's what we find out. So Ivy, you know, they run to the Pokemon Center and Joy says, you can't keep inhaling these spores or pollen. And Ivy says, I'm going to do what I want. Uh, the Raticate's fine. <laughs> Fast forward next day. Asty wakes up and they walk outside and they Oh my god, this is horrible. I can't wait for Trace to join so we can stop Asty. Asty walks outside and they notice that their friend Brock isn't with them. 
and they see Brock finally run by, and he's, like, repairing a hole in the roof or whatever, and then Brock comes down and laments about how he, this reminds him of his home, and he wants to stay here and take care of these people, and this is, uh, this episode should be called Bye Bye Brock, instead of, um... Pokemon, Pokeball Peril, because that's a stupid name. But <laughs> this episode should be called Brock's Traumatic Childhood because he's just complete. Oh my God, they take advantage of this poor kid. Oh, it's horrible. That's called something like in psychology, like when you're put in a situation. Stockholm syndrome. I'm thinking Stockholm a little bit, but it's something else where you're like you're put in such a familiar situation that like you just have to relive it. Like when you go home for Christmas and you revert back to your 13 year old self. Is that aggression? Yeah. it's a trauma response for sure but anyway we say bye bye to brock here he's gonna stay with um the triplets and ivy and i don't know what he's i guess he's just gonna be like a maintenance guy there he's gonna be an indentured servant is what he's gonna be cooking for him cleaning for him it sounds like hell really to me like it sounds like he gave up a cool adventure life to stay in a hell if they had reframed, if they had gotten rid of all the like the domesticity of it all, and they had just had it be like Brock is offered an internship o- opportunity at a research lab as a to perfect his breeding skills, then there you go, that'd be fine. Like, why couldn't they say that? Why couldn't Ivy say that? Like, oh yeah, we discussed it, and I've offered Brock like exactly what you said, offered him a position as a research fellow or something, instead of oh yeah, he's my little manservant now. Yeah. In his apron. I mean, he he they they got him in a pink apron and everything. It it was very SpongeBob in the maid outfit, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good comparison. That is like a really really good comparison. Why aren't you in uniform? This is what I get for working overtime. <laughs> Listen, we've been giving Brock a lot of shit over the last forty some episodes, but he deserved better than this. He, he did. did. Yeah, like he's his dialogue's awful, and he you know maybe a womanizer, but. Want to be womanizer? Want to be womanizer? This is like awful though, and we never see him again, which is the worst part. So yeah, he never comes back. This is the last we ever see of him. He's absorbed by the spores, I guess. <laughs> they just engulf him. <laughs> triplets devour him. Yep, triplets devour him. So everyone say bye bye Brock because we're never gonna see him again. He's bye stuck. bye. Brock. This bye hurts bye. me on a deep level. Yep. So Brock is gone. It is so unceremonious, too. They don't even, like, say goodbye hardly. They're like, okay. <laughs> well, it's all news to them, actually. Brock's like, oh, yeah, and I decided this off the cuff. Like, he didn't even discuss it with his friends that he's been traveling around with for over a year. I mean, even though time doesn't pass, it does pass. He just is like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to stay. Like, he's completely brainwashed. And then Ash is like, what? What? Oh, Okay like peace and then they like leave and that was it like they just wrote off a major character with basically no no lead up nothing yeah we didn't get like usually when a character leaves we get like this ceremonious sad music yeah yeah like sad music and you get a flashback to the good times and i guess there weren't any good times because brock doesn't get that and (laughs) (laughs) he's just left there so whatever he you know they did him dirty really dirty but right now, Asti, like we said, has left their friend Brock, and they have blimp tickets to get back to Pro- Professor Oak. And we see, go back, and we see the blimp, and this thing's totally been revamped. It looks great. I must say that Team Rocket did a great job with their rebuilding task. Doesn't it look pretty good? Looks pretty good to me. Good job, Team Rocket. Good job, Team Rocket. Asti boards the blimp, and we take off heading back for Oak. But then Team Rocket comes about and says, 
I guess they get tricked again that, you know, Team Rocket's there. They're tricked twice. And there's a cage. They put a cage in there, and it lands over Misty and Ash. And Pikachu's going to do a Thunderbolt, but James, or Jesse says, no, that would destroy the blimp because last time it didn't, but this time it would. What do you know? Randomly, Jigglypuff pops into the scene starts singing. Um, at, I'm, I'm just trying to get to this last part because it's on a Yeah, who cares? This part's cares? dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do tease Ash and Misty about being oh. lovebirds. You oh, guys yeah. completely okay, glossed over okay. it. Yeah. I'm actually, okay, that's kind of appropriate because I'm proud of ourselves. I'm proud of the three of us because we have gone this entire time without once mentioning Misty and Ash as romantic interests for each other. We've never once <laughs> referenced it. That have is we true. not? We've never, never done it. Really? Like, he ribs on her, like, pulling the pigtails kind of thing. Not that I agree with that. I hate that whole, like, explanation for why boys pick on girls. It's not right. Don't teach your boys how to do that. But still. Yes. That is very true. We're just mature. We almost passed right by it before Alex stopped us. Uh, Should I not have? I mean, no, no, you're right to do so because this is the start of the Ash and Misty romance arc of the oh, Orange Island, God. <laughs> which also goes nowhere. But who cares? It's here. Yeah, yeah. They like start teasing them out of nowhere. They're like, "Oh, look at you guys, little lovebirds, all by yourselves!" Like, and they blush, of course. The third wheel's gone. I think they even say something like, the third wheel's gone now, or something like that. or Something like that. Yeah, some clever, whatever. It doesn't work. They're trying to, like, force it, and it's like, mm, no. They're like, we ran, out of, we ran out of material to adapt. Let's make it into a very, very slight romance. Yeah, let's <laughs> add some spice to it, I guess. Some flavor. Which, which I mean, it doesn't even work, because as we know, Ash is asexual, so. It's true. Does that feel good, Pikachu? Oh, God, no, he's not Pikachu-sexual. <laughs> no, I'm ignoring that. <laughs> what do you call that? That's got to be some weird thing. Bestiality? In the no, because it's for Pokemon. They're not technically animals. Are they not? I mean, we do no, have, like, Mr. Mime and shit like that. And, yeah, because like... remember in the novels, he says they're not animals. The thing we read earlier, he says they're, like, different from animals. Okay, we're not even going to talk about Lopunny and, like... No, we're not. All that, so... You know people think about that. I mean, there's shit all over the internet, but, like... Even the designers, like, they drew Lapani a very specific way. Like, uh, whatever, we're going to move on. Okay. <laughs> we'll move on. Jiggly, after the little romantic uh, scuffle, whatever, there, with them picking on an Asti, uh, T- Jigglypuff appears, starts singing. Team Rocket tries to escape with parachutes. They don't end time and fall asleep. And Jigglypuff flies out the blimp with them. See, this time, when a hole opens in the blimp, they get sucked out. Like, this not design flaw on the previous one they parachute and they start falling to the ground and land softly and then the episode ends with our heroes asleep on the blimp awaiting what happens next i'm so fucking tired of this blimp okay yeah <laughs> what are the odds i mean seriously first of all how many times people actually go on blimp rides in their life like probably zero for most people and the odds of them ending up on an unmanned blimp twice that crashes twice i mean my God, play a lottery ticket or something. They did. That's how they got. The, that's how they got the blimp tickets. Ticket. Was playing the lottery. Okay. <laughs> play it again, right? God. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up Pokeball Peril. Like I said, it should have been called uh, Bye Bye Brock. But no Pokeballs were in peril at any time. Well, it was when it got blasted with laser beams, like beat uh, up with true. hammers, hacksaws, uh, buzzsaw. The GS ball is invincible. It has no peril to be had. True. 
anyway, we can move on to our MVP, our most valuable player, our least valuable player, and our quotes that had the most impact for this episode. Let's see what the randomizer says. All right, Alex, you're first, followed by myself, and then Austin. Okay, I am going to start with the MVP, and I'm going to give it to Team Rocket for oh. building. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, that was so good. To that. Sorry. I have to give it to them because these fools built an entire dirigible all by themselves. They built a fucking blimp from nothing, and it was pretty awesome. It had, like, eyeballs and everything on it. I would have loved to have seen, like, if, like, you see that finished blimp, and then the camera pans left, and you see all these, like, blimps that are sitting there just been scavenged, <laughs> or, like, dumped or whatever. Like, they just stole all the parts. I have no idea where they got the stuff from. We didn't even talk about how the blimp lands on the airstrip. No firefighters come, nothing. <laughs> no one comes to check on this at any point. Oh, yeah, they can 24 hours. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, I, my very first bullet point actually was, in the last episode, the Twerps crash-landed a blimp on Valencia Island. Not to worry, though. We've completely forgotten about that by now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Wackiness. It's a cartoon. The cops don't come. Nobody comes to say, what the hell happened here? Like Officer Jenny is getting high off of Professor Ivy's supply. Try- she right. can't come. Exactly. Anyway, I thought it was pretty damn impressive that Team Rocket built an entire blimp out of nothing, and it was airworthy. It actually flew. It, it was impressive. I don't know. And they were, like, dressed up in their cute little, like, air captain outfits. Love them. Let's see. LVP. I'm gonna give it to Ash. I'm gonna give it to Ash, actually. I was originally gonna give it to Brock, but I felt I feel so bad for him for having, like, a traumatic childhood. I can't do it. So I'm gonna give it to Ash instead. Because he's a little demanding shit. He's like... I want some food now when he's on the blimp. <laughs> yeah, that was really awesome. They didn't the know it was passenger. Team Rocket. They were awful. <laughs> I know. He's like, I don't know. He, he was very demanding. I was like, that's very rude, Ash. Let's see. Quote. All right. It's the part where they're about to get on the blimp. And Ash says, are you sure it's safe? And James in disguise says, it's safe enough, kid. What? Do you want to live forever? That was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start off with the MVP. And this is more of a uh, call out than anything. Not a call out, but like a, you know, shout out kind of thing. <laughs> I'm going to give my MVP to Brock for this episode. Damn right. Yep. Because he served us well over the years of watching this. And he gets to feed that butterfree. He gets it to eat. So good for you there, Brock. He served us well. I guess we'll miss you. This hurts me deep inside. It really does. He's the first tr- part of the trio to go. I love Brock first part of the tripod to collapse for my lvp i'm gonna give it to that radicate (laughs) running out there in the the pollen storm being poisoned and nearly it would have died let's say that it would have died or been paralyzed forever or something and then my quote is also going to come from brock and this is when we first walk up and see ivy and she's like has the gyarados or whatever and the triplets emerge and they go oh she's a good trainer with these pokemon then brock goes oh i'd wish she trained me no, that was the one. Oh, God. <laughs> That's uh, the final quote from Brock we'll ever get. Never to be seen again. Well, I have a quote from Brock. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. Um, my quote is um, Team Rocket uh, doing the motto. Jesse says, passengers, prepare for trouble. And James says, if you're flying coach, make it double. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> oh, I thought you for sure were going to give the quote to him when he said, 
when they're about to work on the blimp and he says, but Jesse, I don't know the first thing about work. I disagree with James. They work hard. <laughs> they do. They work hard at everything but getting what they're supposed to get. That makes sense. That's true. He doesn't recognize his own talents. Oh my god, I have so many quotes for this episode. Jesus. Okay, I'll just buzz past it. My MVP will be Zubat for oh. <laughs> the moment when Brock announces his departure. Zubat dramatically swoops by from one side of the camera to the other, and I appreciated Zubat for its sense of drama. Was that a reference to something or just I don't know, but I like comedic effect. Okay. Plus, it's like the first time Zubat's ever done anything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, My LVP, I'm gonna give it to the the assistant triplet girls. They were annoying. Yeah. And also, they tried to like kill Celebi and its Pokeball. So fuck them. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I guess that concludes that episode. Now we can move on to the lost Lapras. And this Lapras becomes very important, but before that happens, Alex, we'll talk about the episode. Austin, you ready for the 30-second time challenge? Already as I would be. Three, two, one, go. We crash land the blimp again, and this time we end up on Tangelo Island, or Tangelo Island, whatever. We find a Lapras that's a baby that's being abused by random guys on the beach. Tracy comes up and stops everything to introduce himself. Um, Team Rocket takes the baby Lapras after we rescue it from these guys. And then we all bond with the Lapras, and Lapras is like, Ash, I want to go with you. And Ash is like, great, because I'm going to go get the four Orange League badges, and we're going to go off on a filler adventure. Time, time. I'm going to do something mean one day where, like, you're summarizing it, and you're, like, ten seconds in. I'm just going to hold up like you only have ten seconds left. No, I would not. Just keep messing with you the whole time. Like, flashing ten every ten seconds. I did a really bad job with these episode summaries, but they're really there's a lot happening, so yeah, I can't no, blame they, myself. They were good. They were good. Eh. That first episode, I didn't think we'd have a lot to talk about, but like it turned into yeah, pretty decent discussion. My notes are a page long, page and a quarter long for that first episode. So yeah, anytime there's like a transition phase with episodes, there's a lot that they jam in, and it causes like a lot of plot to take place. I guess. Thankfully, this is the last of our four setup episodes. Thank God. I mean, yay. <laughs> we had to leave Kanto. We had to get rid of Pidgeotto. We had to crash a blimp twice. No, four For times reason. at this point. We had to get rid of Brock. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Well, before we jump into this episode, I have a question for both of you. Okay. Do you want to be a master? Pokemon. Pokemon. Do you have the skills to be? Number, Number one. one. Oh my god, we got the new opening this episode! I got the new opening with my streaming service two episodes ago. No way! Yeah. Okay. Do you know why that happened, Austin? I might. Okay. I'm guessing. When this aired on Kids WB, and I remember watching these episodes on TV really vividly for some reason, and I think that reason is... Because we were going to uncharted territory, and I was like, well, what the fuck's going to happen now? And so I was, like, really, like, eagerly watching these episodes. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I remember distinctly, the one episode, Brock Leaves, and the next episode, they did a little promotion for it on Kids WB with a spot where the narrator, or some announcer guy, is like, who will be the new guy joining Ash and Misty? And Misty says, oh, I hope it's someone cute. And I'm like, okay, so there's a new guy, apparently. And so I go into this episode, and it starts out with a new theme song. 
And there's some fucker with a green shirt and a red headband on a Lapras. Who the hell is that? I guess that's the new guy. It's the cute new guy. Yeah, so when this aired on Kids WB, that this was the episode that introed the new intro. However, maybe they used the new intro earlier in other areas or on reruns. Oh, I don't know. That ruins it. No, it does. Okay. Sorry, Jacob. Yeah, I already had it a couple of episodes ago, but my question is for the Tracy, did they do like, who's that person? Like, you know, they go like, who's, who's that, that Pokemon? Did they do like a who's <laughs> this person kind of thing for Tracy? Do you remember clever. anything like that? Not that I recall. Okay, that would have been cool. They were too busy making Seventh Heaven crossovers. That's true, God, yeah. God, uh, don't you just miss the late 90s, early 2000s? <sighs> anyway, I feel like, well, that sucks because that kind of cheapens the whole thing because I was like super excited because... I was like, oh my god, it's a new opening with a new theme song, which nothing ever will top the original theme song. But this one's not that bad. It's not that bad. Do we have any thoughts on the visuals of this opening? It was good. Uh, it was, it was good, good even with prominent Tracy? I or mean, not prominent Tracy, prominent Richie? He could have like been cut and I would have been fine with that. But unfortunately, we had to have the zoom up to him. I don't know why he was there. That's the only part that was like... Well, okay. everyone was there. Giselle was there. AJ was there. Mandy. The astounding Mandy. <laughs> Jeanette Fisher. It was all the league people. It was the league people and AJ for some reason. The samurai was there, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Giovanni was there. Giovanni was there. Watching that makes me think that these characters are like going to be here. They're not. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like you think <laughs> like, oh, we're going to have some like revisits with uh, these characters, but it's all a lie. <laughs> Never happens. Gary's off on another journey, and Richie's not here either, despite being very prominent in this. Regardless. Yeah, all this talk is making me a little lost. Yes, so speaking of lost, we're currently in an episode of Lost because we're stranded on a seemingly uninhabited island after we've crash-landed again in a blimp and survived. So somehow this has happened to them twice in the span of, like, a few episodes, so... And they assured that this one was filled with, like, flammable helium, too. Right. They walk for miles and miles, according to Ash, but I couldn't help but think to myself, if only they had Pidgeot, they could have fucking flown themselves home. (laughs) That's right, yeah. But alas, we conveniently got rid of Pidgeot a few episodes ago. So we are stuck here, and Misty is complaining and scared that this is going to be their life and they're going to have to live like Tom Hanks did in Castaway on this island and eat bugs and berries for the rest of forever until they die. But fortunately for Misty and Ash, they are saved because a group of tourists materialize out of the bushes and start manhandling Pikachu and trying to get pictures with it. Clearly, they're not on an uninhabited island. They're actually on Pokemon Park Island. Which, is this Giovanni's, like, theme park, or is this different? I feel like this is still a Team Rocket front, but... It very well might be. I got the vibe that it it was, in a way. The Island of the Giant Pokemon. I I do feel like this is a Team Rocket, like, sort of operation happening, because he seems like the kind of person that would just own a bunch of theme parks. Well, it was Pokemon Park, the world's very first Pokemon theme park, and yet we didn't see a single Pokemon in Pokemon Park. That's not true because we had the Island of the Giant Pokemon, which had like rides. No, no, and in this in this in episode, this, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, it's a popular vacation destination, and it's it has a whole town. Like it's very much Alola and the first city that you're in because it's like a beachfront town. And Ash and Misty are walking along in broad daylight, and they come across a group 
of hooligans beating the shit out of an injured baby Lapras in broad daylight right there. Right there in the beach. Yeah. One guy was holding like a shattered bottle. It was like yeah. really graphic. Is, is that what that was? Yeah. It was like a good. He, he beat had a it golf with a club stick. kind of thing. Yeah. It was like a stick with jagged I saw the edges. Stick. He beats it with a wire. stick. Oh, yeah. Holy. There was a, a baseball bat with nails sticking out of it and everything. It, this is a very horrible situation. They are literally beating a poor, helpless baby animal. It's awful. It's really awful. Ash and Misty run over because they're shocked and appalled by this. And they say, get the hell away from the Lapras. What are you doing? And of course, they challenge Ash to a battle, but not before telling them that they are getting ready for their big bout against the Orange crew, which that's our next thing. If it wasn't obvious that that's what we're going to be doing. I thought this was like Ginny was going to show up here. I thought this was like the first time we would apparently there's not like a lot not that Ginny brings law and order but there's not like any ossifers here at all she's obviously she's notably absent in several of these past episodes i mean for better or worse i don't know but they're also at indigo plateau <laughs> that's it yeah they're all still there they can't leave god i mean this is really a terrible i'm i'm honestly surprised this was kind of like i was thinking of guzma's battle with lana and the galisopod insanity you keep on coming back to that it's like burned into my mind okay in some ways that was a lot worse than this because we actually saw it i mean we heard it though i mean i had subtitles on for this episode and when the when the group of like thugs were beating lapras i mean it says smacks and then cries out or something like that so we don't see lapras getting hit necessarily but then we see like it screaming out in pain in the next scene it was awful Anyway, so Ash is like, oh, what's the orange crew? You know, understandably, because that's all he ever thinks about is Pokemon battling. And just as they're about to, like, start this battle and teach these hooligans a lesson, they're interrupted by a very unfortunately dressed boy with a really tacky red headband who we have, we know is Tracy. He hasn't introduced himself yet, though. Have we talked about Tracy on this podcast before? I can't recall. I don't think he's ever come up before. Not at all. This is the very first time we've ever talked about him. And I was, I'm really happy he's here. Oh boy. Well, he distracts us all from this dying baby Lapras because he's got to stop everything to start measuring the Pokemon and drawing them and giving unnecessary commentary on their physical forms. Yeah, it's, I would have, I thought this would have been super funny if like, you know, they're beating the Lapras, which isn't funny, but if they like (laughs) stop and see Tracy and then they go over there and start beating him. You know, oh, my God. And then Ash has to save Tracy. That would have been funnier than what happened. <laughs> no, then Ash has to save Tracy. And that like, sparks the relationship. That would have been a better plot line here. But I guess that may be too violent for a cartoon or whatever. Not that, yeah, beating animals is okay, but not other people. Right. Uh, he pissed me the hell off because he's completely forgotten about, like, the actual danger that we have here. And is like taking time out to do whatever the hell he's doing. I I think I think I'm gonna be the Tracy defender for okay. the next several episodes. Oh okay. no! Oh no! How this happened? You're taking that mantle on yourself. So, are you saying he was like playing some like 4D chess here, where he knew he could stop the fight by like throwing out statistics <laughs> and stuff like that? Are you I like know. Saying, yeah, you I think, think he was, was like, that? let me insult these guys and piss them off and then get them to go away <laughs> and then we can save the Lapras. 
<laughs> well, he does apparently accomplish that somehow because suddenly we're back to remembering that, oh yes, there's a sick and dying Pokemon here and that he has to go and get help right away. So he gives Ash this scary looking medicine gun thing to give to the Lapras while he goes to find Nurse Joy. Does, what does he say it's in it? Does, does he say what's in no, it? He's it's just like, a medicine. Like an antibiotic or something? Or, or painkiller? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a combination. I have no idea. But it's in this like scary like gun, needle gun thing. And these things are scattered all over the beach, too. It's crazy. These like yeah. empty cartridges. It's weird. <laughs> so Ash is really stupid, and he's like come on, Lapras, take the medicine. Come on, Lapras. And he's, like, poking it in the face with this, like, needle thing. And, of course, it's like, get away from me. I don't want to take this. It's scared. Anyway, so they take it to the Pokemon Center. We get a, we get a scene transition where they've somehow transported it from the beach several miles up the road, up a hill to the Pokemon Center. How the fuck did they do that? How did they I do that? I don't know. <laughs> I need the weight of the Lapras here. Is it on the back of a truck? We don't see it getting transported. They must have gotten it on the truck in the first place to get it to yeah. the pool. Well, they the had to have. I mean, they had to have. We don't get to see that, though, because that would be too much. That would make too much sense. So they've transported it, though, to the Pokemon Center, where Nurse Joy tells them that although it doesn't have a serious physical injury problem, it's got serious mental scarring from being abused, which is understandable. And the mystery boy, who has not yet introduced himself, says that, well, it's a baby, and it probably got separated from its pod the last time we had a big storm here. And he also then goes on to tell them that he's a what's called a Pokemon watcher, which is like a bird watcher, I guess, because he goes everywhere to study them and draw them. See, Tracy should not have saved the Raticate from the Vile Plume, because his job is to watch. Right. He intervenes. He shouldn't have intervened because apparently he's... Well, again, this was human intervention, so you're allowed to... That's true. Yeah. That is true. They were physically abusing an animal, so I do have to thank him for that. I love how in this scene when Tracy says, oh, and be a watcher, and then we get Joy explain what a watcher is. And then Ash says, oh, I'm going to be a Pokemon master. And then no one explains it. We still have a good <laughs> explanation of what that is and what exactly that entails, but whatever. Ash should know a lot. I feel like if Ash's goal is to be a Pokemon master, he should know a lot more about just the basics of Pokemon. Ash didn't know the Pokemon League was happening down the street from where he lives. Yeah. True. That's part of his thing. He should know where the battles would be. He is kind of an idiot. A lovable idiot, I guess. But suddenly, as well, Team Rocket's watching. They're spying on the twerps from outside the Pokemon Center. But suddenly they get run over by a group of kids that are running into the Pokemon Center with their beat up Pokemon. And they're like, Nurse Joy, we need you to help treat our Pokemon because we want to be able to take on the Orange Crew. And here we go again with the Orange Crew. We get the explanation from Tracy that they're a group of gym leaders on the Orange Archipelago that you have to beat in order to take place in this Orange League. Why was it orange? Did we have, did we get an explanation of why they chose orange, like the Pokemon company as a whole was it what is it something japanese and they're like we'll just make it orange well all the islands are named after various fruits citrus it's just tropical she named it citrus league then or something like that Ooh, citrus i like league. that <laughs> sweet and sour 
Tracy explains about the Orange League, and Ash, of course, is, like, thrilled by this, and he absolutely has to compete. And Misty is like, wait a minute, we have an important errand that we have to finish for Professor Oak. You can't just run off and spend an unspecified amount of time competing in this tournament. You've got to go back to the lab and drop the Pokeball off. And he's like, oh, fine. So they give Oak a call and Ash is like, you don't mind, you don't mind. Of course you don't mind, Professor. I'm going to stay here and do this and we'll just see you when we see you, I guess. And Oak is like, well, I guess I couldn't have stopped you even if I wanted to. This is the part where we find out that Tracy is a huge, huge Professor Oak fanboy. And he just invites himself along. He's like, I guess I'm going to be, he, no, he literally tells him, he's like, I'm inviting myself along as your new traveling buddy. And Misty's like, excuse me, you can't just invite yourself. But he does, and that's when Nurse Joy conveniently interrupts to tell them that Lapras is better. What was odd about that exchange is, I think Ash says something like, I didn't know Oak was famous. Oh, God. And, like, we've been traveling. Oak's name comes up throughout the other series. People are, like, drooling to the fact that Ash knows Oak. But Ash just like, oh, I didn't know he was famous. (laughs) <laughs> to Ash, Oak is just a senile old guy that, like, his mom hangs around with sometimes, like... actually doesn't think these things through, does he? <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> okay, I had a thought about this, actually. Let's think about this. I mean, I know this is kind of hard to envision because none of us are, like, good friends or family friends with a famous person, but I feel like maybe Ash's reaction isn't all that unusual. Like... Consider you grew up next door to a really famous person and your family was friends with them. They would just seem like any old person to you, right? Yeah. I mean. But Misty should know. Well, she's also a gym leader. She's got notoriety. I mean, maybe she's just. Yeah. yeah. More of her sisters than her. (laughs) Her sisters. Well, that's true. But she's been, she's interacted with Oak several times. Like, he's, the illusion and the mystification of, like, oh my god, a famous person. Like, that's, that's all worn off. I mean, they know him just, like, oh, that's, like, Gary's grandpa and, like, oh, that's just Professor Oak. Like, no big deal. I have a random bone to pick. What? A random bone? A random bone to pick, and it's not Oak's bone and Delia. Oh my god. It is, why are they taking the GS ball to Professor Oak in the first place? You know what his specialty is not? Pokeballs. He has nothing to do with Pokeballs. He has nothing to do with him. Which professor has the most to do with Pokeballs? None of them, but not Professor Oak. <laughs> Maybe Bill. Bill? How's his name Bill? He's not a professor. Isn't he? I'm thinking of all the main professors, like Professor Oak, you know, Professor Elm, Professor Rowan, like those guys, like not... Like, uh, like as we know, Oak's specialty is an anthro-Pokemon global cohabitation. He just wrote a paper on it. So why are we taking Professor Oak in the first place? Okay, question. What are all... Okay, maybe we're getting too sidetracked. Okay, here we go. Here we go. What? (laughs) For Jacob. Jacob's like, oh, God. What are all the Pokemon professors' specialties? They all have one. Elm is Pokemon eggs. Yes. Birch is Pokemon in their natural environment. Yes. Rowan is Pokemon evolution. Yes. Is Juniper Pokemon dream world? Is it? Psychic? Something? I don't know. I don't know about her. Um, who's next? Sycamore. Sycamore. What is Sycamore? Oh, his is Mega Evolution. And then Kukui is moves, move sets. Z moves, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember Magnolia, what hers is. 
Okay, wait, here's a list. It says Professor Oak is, you're right, Austin, Pokemon and human relationships. Pato. Professor Elm says breeding, but I guess that goes along with eggs. Habitats is birch. Rowan is evolution and form changes. Juniper's per- Pokemon origins. Oh, yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. Sycamore, like you said, Mega Evolution. Kukui's moves. Magnolia's Dynamax. Oh, that makes sense. Dynamax, yeah. Interesting. Good old Professor Oak. And I guess Ivy's is like aesthetic regional differences. Well, she's not like a yeah. main professor. Regional specific variations. You know, honestly, I feel like for all the shit I ever give Professor Oak, like his specialty and research is the most important, I think. He's dealing with like Pokemon and human like cohabitation and maybe we don't give Oak enough credit. Maybe, maybe Maybe. we give Oak a lot of shit. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It's fun to give Oak a lot of shit. You know, we, okay, we, everyone should know by now we, like we talked about with Richie and everything, like it's fun to hate him, but it's all in good fun. Like we don't really actually hate him. It's just funny to pretend to hate him. <laughs> i don't actually hate professor oak richie on the other hand is a yeah, different story Richie's no good yeah i don't like richie but i don't i do like <laughs> professor oak <laughs> it's all in good fun but i hate him because <laughs> we talked about it remember richie was good material i'll give him that yeah richie was good for the podcast <laughs> i was listening to our episode back a couple of days ago and we the whole part where we were like i don't even know what it is about richie that we hate but we just hate him <laughs> And I don't know why, but, like... I was actually thinking about this. Fun to hate him. <laughs> I think part of the reason we hate Richie so much is that he drops in out of nowhere. Where is he from? Who's his family? Like, what has he done before this? He's a know-it-all that just shows up. That's why. And you know yeah. who else just drops out of nowhere? Tracy. Just Tracy. Yep. yep. Yes and no. I mean, like, he just happened to be walking along, observing Pokemon. And then he... At least he's straight up and gives us a reason, like... The only reason I want to stay with you guys is not because I care about you. It's because I w- you are my ticket into meeting Professor Oak. That's true. Tracy, at least, has interests and motivations and a character. Uh-huh. But I was trying to transition us back to the episode. Right. So Tracy and Lapras and... <laughs> I gotta respect Tracy for being upfront with us. Anyway, Tracy and Lapras, yes. Nurse Joy tells us that it's all better and you can bring him back to the ocean now. Well, that doesn't really work too well. Lapras has nothing to do with this. He doesn't want to get back on the truck and go to the ocean. So Ash decides that the way he's going to do this and calm Lapras down is to sing it a lullaby, which Ash is not a singer or and or performer at all because it's it awful. doesn't go very well. It's awful. But not to fear because the one Pokemon that is a performer wannabe performer appears again jigglypuff who hijacks ash's lullaby and puts everyone to sleep this is three jigglypuff episodes in a row i'm gonna keep track it's too much it's too much jigglypuff too much puff and i feel like at this point the writers are just using jigglypuff as a convenient like plot element just to like absolutely advance things in the way they want the story to go like whatever So they wake up and Ash decides this is taking too long. This is annoying. We've got to do something. So he jumps into the pool in order to physically chase down Lapras and force it to go into the truck. But Team Rocket intervenes and shoots a smoke bomb and captures Lapras and puts it in the truck. That was a pretty quick transition from Team Rocket to grab that thing and crane it up there like that. I don't know how they managed to do that, but they they did. If there's one thing Team Rocket can do, it's the impossible. 
<laughs> I was hoping for a return of the giant vacuum and just like from uh, Misty's episode a long, long time ago. Just suck it in there. But we don't get that. So whatever. Come back, seal. I'll never forget that. <laughs> the noise oh it makes. God. Seal, seal, seal. Yep. <laughs> We're in the truck now. We are engaging in this high speed chase where somehow Ash, Tracy, and Misty commandeer some bicycles. At least it wasn't a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Who the hell knows where they get these bicycles from, but they pursue the truck on bicycle, and somehow Ash manages to channel his inner superhuman, catch up to the truck, jump off the bicycle. Like, he uses the handlebars to, like, jump from the bicycle, going, like, 50 miles an hour, however fast he's going, jump onto the Lapras, then detach the truck from the like cab no he doesn't do that first he physically jumps into the cab and starts beating up team rock <laughs> it was awesome yeah, that it was, was amazing awesome. it was like, like he like crawled in there like fucking spider-man or something it's like did. a james bond or born identity moment here he just like oh it was all it was thrilling well actually you know what i completely skipped over the fact that we that tracy actually calls out meow's talking ability oh yeah Anyway, sorry I skipped that part. Anyway, back to the van thing. So they detach the cab from the truck, and Team Rocket flies away. But now Ash and Lapras are out of control. And they're screening across, like, this mountainous path. And Ash, again, has some sort of superhuman ability to, like, climb down on the side of the cart and, like, pull it up on two wheels so that they don't fly off yeah. the cliff. <laughs> This is like, I really, this is one of those moments where I think, like, what is happening isn't actually happening. Like, this is just how Ash is envisioning how this is happening kind of thing. Where, like, something's going on, but this is how Ash is seeing this because he has the hero complex. So somehow he's, like, saving the day. And, it, like, on the outside looking in, it just looks horrible. But this is what Ash perceives it to be. I don't know how he's managing to do this, but meanwhile back at wherever they are tracy uses his cyborg venonat in order to track down lapras and team rocket is radar an actual move uh there's not one named radar no okay it like literally projects an image like it's a like sonar image on its eyeball and it's like boop 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 to like track them down i thought it was super cool it was cool yeah it's unnatural i like this venonat (laughs) I like to think that most Venonat cannot do that, and this is a special Venonat. So Tracy's a good trainer, too, then, right? He's a good watcher. Watcher. He watches. So does Venonat. They can watching. find you at any time. That's scary and weird. Thank God Todd Snap isn't here. Oh, my God. Todd Snap, Richie, and Tracy. Triple Gosh. episode. Okay, of all three. Okay, if we had to rank them. From best to worst or worst to best? Mm, worst to best. Richie, Todd, Tracy. Okay. Yeah, I think I have to go with that too. They all kind of have a similar flavor, don't they? Awful? No. <laughs> I don't know. We can't say it. I can't judge Tracy yet. We haven't seen much of him. And like I said, I respect him like being honest with the twerps. Like, I'm just using you for my own gain. Anyway, Ash is careening out of control. They end up flying off of the cliff and crashing into the ocean Hours later, they swim over to the shore to find... Because this is, this is hours later. Like, it's broad daylight, yeah. and now yeah. it's, like, dusk. The sky's red. It's The sun is setting. And Tracy and Misty are on the beach. And suddenly, Ash 
rides up on a Lapras. And we get some really weird dialogue here from Ash. Yeah, he's holding like a volleyball with a blood handprint on it. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like some, it's weird. Yeah, he's he's dragging a uh, guy on a makeshift raft behind him. Holding a FedEx box. I don't know. This part kind of was weird to me because he has a little aside with Lapras and he's like, you put up a fight. You know, he's like, you put up a big fight or something, Lapras, but I caught you anyway. I think he just means it was resistant to to interfacing with him. Interfacing. Inter- <laughs> <Cyborg>. <laughs> it's not the Venonath or the Cyborg Nat. It was just reluctant to, you know, communicate with him. Well, Misty makes a comment because she's like, did he just say he caught it or something like that? Well, what happened is this Lapras has been reluctant to be around people, right? So they launch off into the ocean, right? Ash and Lapras are separated. Lapras is just going to leave Ash there to drown, okay? <laughs> so Ash has no choice but to catch it and make it swim him back to shore. That's my theory of what went on there. See, I don't... I kind of got the... I kind of agree. Like, my... The the whole thing I got from this was Lapras was traumatized. It didn't want anything to do with people. None of that. It was resistant to Ash. So how do you go from from that to it being completely friendly and obedient? Does catching a Pokemon in a Pokeball brainwash them? No, because Charizard... Mm. You could still be disobedient even if you catch it. So, well, he caught it as a Charmander and it was obedient. Yeah, but just I guess just because it's tied to the Pokeball doesn't necessarily mean it has to be obedient, though. Because we've seen aggressive Pokemon, or we we will later. Like we've seen aggressive Pokemon, and then when they are caught, they mellow out. Okay, I'm gonna say in my personal headcanon, the Pokeballs do not brainwash them. However, Pokemon have a strange morale, a very convenient morality system. In which they consider themselves to have been bested by having been caught in the Pokeball. And they reevaluate their lives and decide ah. that servitude is the way to go. All right. Interesting. Now for Lapras, I don't think Ash has even caught it in a Pokeball yet. I think Lapras just watched Ash ride down the side of a mountain on a bicycle, jump in the air <laughs> off the handlebars, crawl to the cabin of this truck... Like, careen wildly out of control and uses super strength to stop them from careening until they eventually fall off. And then Lapras is just like, okay, this boy, he's watching out for me. I'm going to stick with him. He's my new mommy. Or Lapras could have perceived Team Rocket as helping him back to the ocean. And then Ash, <laughs> Ash somehow stopped them from getting back there. So It doesn't matter. Way. It doesn't matter because Lapras is their new mount through the <laughs> Orange <right>. Islands. <laughs> It's nothing if not convenient, I'll give him that. But that's literally it. That's the whole episode. We have now caught, quote-unquote, caught Lapras, and our adventures through the Orange Islands can begin. I do like the visual of Ash, Misty, Tracy, Pikachu, and Togepi riding on Lapras from Island to Island. This poor thing is just a baby, and it's <laughs> carrying, like, three children, Pokemon, all kinds of shit. Like Lapras loves ferrying people from place to place. That's what it does. That's what it it's does. a juvenile. It's that poor thing. I love this Lapras, though. Lapras is, like, one of, if not my favorite Pokemon, so. This is the best Lapras. I think, this is. in my mind's eye, it's this Lapras with a different design. Do you think this Lapras is, like, the child of that one from the North Pole? No, because we're going to see it to mother later. Okay. But no, like the like this Lapras has a different like facial proportions and size and such. 
And I think it's much better than the regular Lapras. Because it's a baby. It's really cute. I was thinking about the North Pole Lapras, though, and how, like, that stupid one was, like, letting them drown and, like, suffer in the ocean. And then it could, like, psychically talk to them. How come yeah, this Lapras... that Lapras. Yeah. <laughs> that, was my, that was my MVP. Hey, come on. Someone's got to defend the North Pole. <laughs> Someone's got to defend it. Come on. How come this one can't psychically communicate? It's a baby. It doesn't have Santa's magic. That's it's true. true. It wasn't a magical North Pole Lapras. But we can talk about our MVP and our LVP and our quotes from this episode. And Alex, you are going first, followed by myself. and Oh, no, followed by Austin and then myself. So I'm going to be last. Let's see. I will start with MVP. I don't know. I'm str- Now I'm like second guessing myself on both of these. I did it last time. And I don't know if I want to give the obvious. You know what? I'm going to give it to Tracy. I'm going to shock myself. And give it to Tracy. I did not write him down originally. That was For not MVP? it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God damn, what is wrong with me? I don't know why. I just oh something just possessed me right now. Like I originally wrote down Ash, to be honest with you. But now thinking about it, talking about this episode, I gotta give it to Tracy just because I have some mad respect for him. Like running into like a battle with some thugs, breaking up that taking charge of a a panic situation and saying, I'm going to run for help, you know, do this, that, or the other. And then just the brutal honesty of like, hey, you guys have what I want and I'm going to come with you to get it. I don't know why I just, God damn you, Tracy. (laughs) Tracy fan, Tracy fanboy here. I think it might be happening. Oh my gosh. Watch us. We we shit on Tracy all throughout the first season, dreading his appearance. In the first episode, he comes in, he's MVP. Look at us. Guys. I don't know what's happening to me. I feel like something's overcome me. And like, I never expected that to come out of my mouth in a thousand years. That's crazy. Watch Nick. He's going to be like a consistent MVP throughout the rest. Oh my God. This is awesome. Okay. Let's do this. Oh my God. I'm shocked at myself. I'm absolutely shocked. We're going to, our, we love Tracy shirts are, they want our shop now. Just you. Yeah. You know what? You're right, Jacob. Just you watch by the end of this. I'm going to be the biggest Tracy fangirl ever. (laughs) Woo. Wow, I'm I'm overcome with like emotion right now. Okay, LVP, I'm gonna give it to Ash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh wow, that one is more cut and dry. I was definitely gonna pick him from the beginning because he was like mean to Lap, like he was like trying to poke it in the mouth with the medicine. Like he was just mean to. Him. He's like, come on, Lapras. He- this thing is clearly traumatized, and he's like trying to force it. You never force anyone who is going through a breakdown like that. But anyway. And then, I, I I don't know, maybe I sort of, like, misinterpreted the ending because I thought, like, he forced it into servitude after knowing it was traumatized. What did I pick for my quote? Oh, the part where they're on the phone with Oak. And Oak says, of course, I'm very eager to take a look at that GS ball, but it's also important <laughs> for you to get some rigorous training during your journey. And Ash says, thanks. I'll find out what rigorous means, too. <laughs> that was great. Oh, Ash, you're that so was a dumb. Good line. Good job You're with so the dumb. dubbers there. Oh man, I have I can't decide on my MVP. <laughs> but okay, it'll be Tracy. No, it won't. Oh, you can't pick him twice. No, I know, I know, I know. It will be Venonat because I think it's <laughs> cyber radar is really cool. Oh, cool for Venonat. That's good. Cyborg Venonat. My LVP will be the the beach punk for assaulting a baby Lapras. Oh, That's not good. God. And I don't really have a quote. So I'll just say, okay, when Jigglypuff jumps out while Ash is trying to sing to Labrys, Ash says, uh, Jigglypuff, it's not a duet. 
And then when Jigglypuff starts singing, Ash quietly says, I want to sing, as he falls asleep. <laughs> All right. Good luck, Jacob. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I have nothing. I can give you a quote if you need it. No, I've got a quote. Okay. okay. My quote is going to come from Tracy. And it's when he's admiring Pikachu, and he says something like, Pikachu's sacks are just perfect. Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what he, that's what Tracy says. So, I mean, Does, he, does he say that? Are you something being gratuitous with that? Something about are perfect. Yeah, it was something like electric sacks or something like electric that. Electric sacks. Well, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I may have, missed, may have missed a word in there, but something about sacks being perfect. Mm. I'm going to give my MVP to... Um, Nurse Joy. Give it to Nurse Joy for explaining what a Pokemon Watcher was. Lord knows we needed to know that information. We have this new character here. we got to get some more insight to what he's doing. And I'm just stalling right now to come up with an LVP really quick. I'm going to give my LVP to Oak. Oh! I'm going to give it to Oak for... Okay, obviously this GS ball is very important. And they're trying to understand the research about it. And I think it's wrong for him to let Ash go out and battle... first instead i'm i'm grasping at straws here instead (laughs) of uh getting the ball back for the much needed research because we found what's in there we got like a spoiler and it needs to be found out so there you go okay all right there we go (laughs) well you know what honestly i can kind of agree with you jacob like i see where you're coming from because oak flip-flops back and forth with his stance like sometimes he's like ash you're not responsible and you need to be more responsible blah 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 and now Ash is being completely irresponsible. Instead of fulfilling his errand, he's fucking off to do this, like, league thing. And Oak is, like, okay with it. Like, he picks and chooses with how he instructs Ash. I don't know. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, and he's already sending the B team as is because Gary's already been occupied. So, <laughs> What the fuck is Gary doing? It's bothering me. <laughs> Important research. What if Gary was in the GS ball? Oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> The Gary stuck ball. He's stuck in there. That means Professor Ivy trapped Gary in the Pokeball. Because she's the one that had it. He got so much pollen and spores in him, she didn't know what to do. So the only way to save him was to trap trap him in the ball. Yeah. The plot lines we could come up with. Instead, we're getting this island adventure. So buckle up. I think it's going to be fun. I like this island adventure. Yeah, the Orange Islands is a really good arc. I don't remember it. So I'm... This is like watching it new again like okay great keep in mind the last time i watched this was what 10 years ago last time i watched this was 10 years ago it's been about four years for me so like and i still don't remember so okay, okay. i just remember liking it so we'll all go through this journey together but with that i guess that wraps up these two episodes does anyone have any more questions or comments are we gonna do my mortal jacob's like shit shit i wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> i thought we could get out of it never jacob uh, never yeah, lord Look, how about this? You just have to, the faster we get through it, the faster we don't have to do Like, we'll get through and we won't have to do it anymore. Like, I know, it's like a slow cut, though. You love it secretly. Just admit it. But before my Myrtle, we would just like to say thank you all for listening and be sure to leave us a five star rating. And if you have any questions or comments for the show, be sure to send them to out of the drying pan at gmo.com. Again, that is out of the drying pan at gmo.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Out of Drying Pan. Again, our handle is Out of Drying Pan. And join us next time as our journey continues. All right, it's um, my mortal. T- 
<laughs> chapter 27 chapter is our next 27. one. I wonder how many people actually stick around to listen to this. Send us an email at outofthedryingpan.com. Like, is this, like, actually something you guys look forward to hearing? The absurdity of it all? Or do you guys just click away out of fear? I will say, J.K. Rowling, or Rowling, whatever her name is, recently got a lot of exposure due to Vladimir Putin Excuse sticking me? up for her. What? So I'd just like to reiterate, we're anti-Rowling. Right? Yeah, we're anti-Rowling. We're anti-her. She's a bad person. We don't like her as a person. Yeah, so I'd just like to reiterate, we're anti-Putin, anti-J.K. Rowling. Okay, let's not get too political. Let's all just right, read this right, terrible right. fan fiction. Okay, okay. Does anyone want to volunteer to read, or should I use the randomizer? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Austin always does a better job than I do, but I'll volunteer. Unless, Austin, you want to read it. No. If you do so well. Jacob, are you sure you don't want to go? What? What are you talking about? Okay, Yo, I'll just read it. too long. Let's okay, go. I'm reading it. Okay, chapter 27. Vampires will never hurt you. A.N. You know what? I do not give a fuck what you preps think about me. So stop flaming the fucking story, bitches. Thanks to Raven for your love and sport and help. I love you, girl, so's I could not update, lol. I was really depressed and I slit my wrists. I had to go to the hospital. Raven, you rock girl. This is why we have a trigger warning in our descriptions. That's right. Everyone in the room stated to cry happily. I had saved them. Draco, Lucian, Sirius Bond, Vampire all came to hug me. The nurse started to give them medicine. Come on, Anabi, said Professor Sinatra. She was wearing a gothic black leader dress with a corset top and real vampire blood on it and fucking black platinum boots. Fucking black is my favorite color. <laughs> That's a great black, isn't it? It's not just any old black, it's fucking black. I have to tell you the fucking perdition. I locked at Lucian, Seraphs, Drac Drake, and Vampire. They nodded. I smelled happily and went into a dark room. I had changed Professor Sinister, took out some black cards. What? Terra cards. Maybe. Wait, I had I had changed Professor Sinister, took out some black cards. Okay, I did read that, right? She started to look into a black crucible ball. She said, Terra, I see drag times are near. She said badly. She peered into the balls. You see, you must go back in time. She took out a time toner like B. Luddy Mary had. When Voldemort was in Hogwarts before he became powerful, he got his hearth broke borkin. Now, do you think he would still become Voldemort if he was in love? I shook my head. You must go back in time and seduce him. It is the only way. If he is still evil, then you must kill him. You can come to my room tomorrow and you can do it. Okay, I said sadly. We did death's touch sin. I went outside again sadly. What? What just happened? What? She did what now? We did this death's touch, sin. touch sin. Touch sin. Austin, do you want to translate that? No, I'm, no, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> okay. What fucking happened? Asked Draco and Vampire. Yeah, what happened? Asked Darkness, Willow, and Boldy Mary. I was about to tell them, but everyone was there. They were celebrating Lucian and Sirius being fond. 
Everyone was proud of me, but I just wanted to talk to Draco. They were cheesing my name, and some reporters were there trying to interview Dumbledore. A banner was put up. Lots of fucking preps were there, obviously trying to be gothic, wearing the him sign on their hands, despite them not having actually heard of him. Even Mr. Norris looked happy. A black and red cake had been brought out. Crab and Goika set up some fireworks in the shape of skulls from Wesley's Wizard Wises. Oh god, okay. I put on my invisibility coke with Vampire and Draco, and we sneaked outside together. The end. The end. All right, I guess we'll do another chapter next week, maybe. Thank you all for listening.